What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush for our first horror movie roundtable. <laughs> That's spooky voices you're hearing. That's actually Noel, believe it or not. Okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> and we have uh, Lauren and Annie with us as well. Hi. Hello. They too are spooky. Oh, thank you. The <laughs> finest compliment uh, that you could give us. <laughs> Anytime. So, Noel, uh, when you got up for a, a minute and left the room, it was just the three of us left to talk about you. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. And we posed the question, when was the last time you had on hard pants? <laughs> <laughs> and not soft shorts. I'm sorry, hard pants? Is that a thing? Did you yeah. just make that up? Yeah, Explain. no, like, like, like wooden pants, uh, like wicker yeah. man style, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there you uh, go. You know, I... It, Oh gosh, you're making me, you're really putting me on the spot here. I mean, look, these are comfy uh, kind of Puma type shorts, you know, I wear them when I'm around the house. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've occasionally donned a, a pant. I've been known to don a pant, <laughs> but why? Who cares? Why bother? Unless you're going, you know, out or something and... Most of us aren't doing too much of that, but I've 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 well, I've been out and I wore a pant. But you know what? I've also been out and worn these shorts. So it's a, it's a roll of the dice, folks. What you're gonna get? <laughs> well, uh, we're here to kick off our official Halloween season on the Friday edition with the two, 2015 film The Witch: uh, Colon A New England Folktale, and that is uh, from the great. Uh, at the time, new writer and director Robert Eggers, who has quickly established himself as one of the new masters, I think we can all agree, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's just go around with our, our history here. 
of seeing this uh, movie and how many times and when the first time was. Lauren and I saw it together for the first time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I right. believe so, yeah, um, at, at Midtown Art Cinema. At Midtown um, Arts, yeah. It's I think it was one of... spot. Uh-huh, yeah, we, um, it's one of the movies that we, like, stumbled out of, and I don't know what day or month or year or time of day it was at the time. 2015 seems like so long ago. Um, I know, right? But, uh... Uh, but yeah, we stumbled out and we were like, okay, we need a whiskey about this. And so like just stumbled <laughs> directly to the Highlander, the little bar mm-hmm. next door and yep. proceeded to drink about it and we just did. go like, what just happened? What happened to our faces? That's amazing. Annie, what about you? Uh, I also saw it in theaters at Midtown Arts. I think I saw it a couple times. Yep. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've since seen it enough. I know we jokingly said when we chose this movie in our email chain that the three of us, Lauren, Noel, and I, could just quote it, mm-hmm. um, which is probably true. But I watched it again nonetheless because I'm always going to be prepared and I will <laughs> I always take an excuse to rewatch it. And over on uh, Stuff I'm Never Told You, the other podcast I do, we did a whole episode on it. Um, so I'm quite familiar. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Uh, I saw it in New York City when it came out. Muting my computer, and uh, I there is a story in there that I've said before on the show to both Noel and the Movie Crushers. But when we get to that part, I will retell it for your benefit. Uh, but I saw it in New York, and then that was the only time I had seen it until again last night. And uh, are you ready to live deliciously, everyone? <laughs> always, always. <laughs> the line that spawned a thousand uh, cross stitches. Have you seen these? Seen those. There's a no. bunch oh, of them yeah. with like little goaties with like live deliciously. Maybe not a thousand, but definitely a few that made oh, the rounds. I'd say a thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've yeah. I've got a T-shirt that says that, and it's got a cute little goat on it. Uh huh. Oh, Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The newest season of What We Do in the Shadows. There's a Black Philip. It's clearly Black Philip. Right. Like he's like an old yeah. washed out goat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wish I had a photo to show you. I have goats that live across the street. I was raised with goats. I had goats as pets uh, a couple of different times when I was a kid. And then I have goats across the street from my house here. And uh, there have been up to 10 at various times. Now they're down to two. But one of the two uh, is, it. it, you know, he looks like a black Phillip. He's a big boy. Um (laughs) He uh, has a, a habit of impregnating all the the lady goats, so there have been little babies here and there. There's a lady over there that's pregnant right now, but he has the horns that curl out to the side. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very creepy look. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of different than Black Phillip, but uh, I call him Black Phillip, but everyone else <laughs> in our house calls him Billy, of course. Sure, of course. yeah. Chuck, yeah. When, you, when you just said up to 10 goats, in my mind, immediately uh, the phrase, up to 10 goats agree, Satan is cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's nine out of 10 goats yeah. Well, yeah, there's no outlier. They all agree. <laughs> 10 out of no, 10 up goats. up to as many as yeah. 10. Okay. Okay. Ten is the legal limit, by the way, uh, for in town Atlanta. You can have you can only have ten goats, so that's why oh. they maxed out. Is that them. true? Yeah, that is true. All right. Ten, ten farm animals. Now, in your experience, because I've never really hung out with goats, um, are are they chill? Is this like, did you have a good experience with these pets as a child? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're great, and they were raised in the the outdoor pen with my dogs, so they were very dog like and very playful. And uh, the one, uh, my one goat, Nestor, had he was dehorned before we got him, but he didn't know that, so he still played 
billy goat games with me. So I would put my head up against his head and we would push back and forth in kind of a reverse tug of war. And he would get up on his hind legs like Philip does and like butt down at me and stuff. It was a lot of fun. They're great. <laughs> that is so darling. I, I've heard <laughs> I've heard that in contrast, the um, the goat actor who played Black Philip was an actual unholy terror on set. Um, uh-huh. I heard that just too. Just the yeah. worst co-star. Um, yeah. That the rabbit was super chill. Black Philip, not so much. Right. Uh, Chuck, I think you buried the lead real quick. Nestor, is that uh, the biblical <laughs> Nestor? Is that like... I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure who in my family named him Nestor. But we had Nestor and Ramesses, and then uh, later on, I think another goat. But Nestor was really the, my love. He was the best. Right <laughs> Nestor is an interesting name. I don't think I've ever met anyone or met a pet named Nestor. So Yeah, well... There you have it. Nestor's long gone. One of a kind. Well, apparently when Heracles invaded the country of Neleus, he slew his sons. Nestor alone was spared. I'm just going to start calling you Nolopedia. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, that was actually not, that was from BibleHistory.com. Oh, well, egg on my face. (laughs) Goat's milk on my face. (laughs) Uh, So this is, like I said, subtitled A New England Folktale in... I kind of forgot that part until that title screen came up. And it really is a folktale in all the best, most rich ways uh, and in that sort of uh, folktale tradition. Uh, And one of my favorite things that I jumped onto last night was how quickly, I mean, this movie was an hour and a half and it could have been a two hour film. There could have been a whole first act that really detailed their life before they left, but it just jumps right into that premise of them being basically expelled from whatever colony they're in. Yeah. The first time I saw it, the witch shows up immediately because I thought, like, maybe there isn't a witch. And then in 10 minutes, you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) there is a witch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They waste no time. It's like 20 seconds after that baby first disappears. They're like, no, a witch took it 100%. That's what's going on. Let's proceed. (laughs) And then they drop that line for like 45 minutes. And you're like, did I hallucinate it? Am I hallucinating? What's going on here? It's oh. Which line? Uh, the, the the line about the the, the witch, the the entire oh, right. uh, just storyline yeah. of like it's just normal family drama for forty five minutes, and I'm like, cool, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. You know, it, it's a different approach to play it uh, that way and not play it out longer and build that suspense. Yet the, it is totally suspenseful still, because you. I guess you do sort of wonder whether or not there really is a witch, even though it shows. That witch, you know, crushing up that baby and rubbing it all over her body <laughs> in one of the more disturbing parts of a very disturbing movie. Yep. But I also feel like there was some restraint involved in the movie just in general. Like, it only showed the witch a couple of times. That sequence is obviously incredible. And then you see her taking flight, you know, against the moon or whatever and all of that. And, and all of this, you know, the folktale part of it is interesting because it is based in, you know, folklore. The idea of witches creating this, like, ointment that they can mm-hmm. use to coat themselves and their brooms that give them the power of flight, which in you know uh folklore and history is also like uh, thought to be hallucinogenic and there's definitely some hallucinogenic elements in this movie and it even implies at times maybe that there was a rot on their crops that was that ergot poisoning situation Mm -hmm. that was involved in the salem witch trials potentially that has like an lsd type uh uh, component to it interesting i didn't pick up on that so 
Uh, yeah. So, so one of the lines of thought is that is that there is no witch, and that this family is suffering suffering from like mass hallucination. Maybe, but 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 yet there, it's not like you're seeing everything through their perspective. All the witch stuff is just you're there with the witch. So the implication to me would be that that witch is damn real. Um, but they also might have their madness might have been uh, furthered by this hallucinogenic contamination or something like that. I don't know. A lot of fun ways to look at it for sure. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's talk about the cast. It's it's a very cheap way to make a, make a movie. I think they spent about four million bucks against a forty to fifty million dollar uh, take, which is a very big hit in those terms. Uh, but the the cast is so perfect. Um, I think that's the first time that we had all seen Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, wasn't it before the M Night Shyamalan movie she was in? Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. That face, those big oh, eyes, and right. Like, she just looks so perfect. Yeah, that that beautiful first shot that you really get of her when she's at prayer in the beginning of the movie and she's like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I've done all of this terrible stuff. And you're looking at this beautiful, perfect, darling face yeah. in, in this time and place where like clearly this this tiny child has done nothing but is so fearful. Um, and it just really kicks uh, And she's great. She's great in it. Like, like mm-hmm. what a little shit kicker. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I love how fired awesome. up she gets by the end of the film. Yeah, uh, and then we have Ralph Ineson, um, fans of the original BBC Office, you know, know him well. He's so great. He was the asshole character, right? He was like <laughs> yeah. sort of, yeah. He was yeah. always playing pranks and being a misogynistic douchebag. He's so good. And there's, there's just, uh, there's, I mean, they, they, they're great actors, but there's something about casting certain looks for time periods, and all of them, boy, especially that mom. I mean, look like they just stepped right off the colony, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. Kate Dickey is so strong. Like, I, I just can't. Well, A, I feel a little bit bad because I'm at this point, I'm like, you're getting typecast as like weird breastfeeding mama. And this is <laughs> this That's is right. Because <laughs> you do something else. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah okay. She played. Um, oh, gosh. The Lady of the Eerie, who right. continues breastfeeding her son until he's like 13. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Not going to judge. Her name's like Lysa or something like that. Or, there you uh, go. Yeah. Lysa Aaron, I believe, yeah. is her name. That's right. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. So I know that makes me weird. Nah, not at all. It's not It's not for everybody, but yeah. I, I quite enjoyed it uh, until, you know, I didn't anymore. <laughs> uh, and then we got Harvey Scrimshaw as Caleb, who, oh. boy, I, I read a big, I read a, an article. I think it was maybe Film School Rejects just about that one scene. Yeah. And Eggers was talking about how nervous he was. Because it's eleven pages in the in a not super long script, yeah, very big chunk of the script in that possession, I guess, scene for lack of a better description, and it is just so fucking great, man. I I, I don't know how that boy brought that, and and they were in such a tight space. He was talking about shooting it, yeah. with all those cast members in there, and, and those two little shithead twins. <laughs> <laughs> that you you kind of want to die or disappear, <laughs> and I say that as a loving father. <laughs> but they're all packed in this space, and he was like, "I knew that we just had to, um, we had to block around them because it's all about them bringing the performance." And he really did. Yeah, yeah. I, every time I watch that, I'm like, "How did they? What did they tell him to do?" <laughs> and is you know, they he talked okay? about soccer. <laughs> They did. They said, you know, some of the stuff that felt sort of overtly sexual, mm-hmm. he's, he was getting him kind of fired up about soccer and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Oh, 
Yeah. Wow. That's the, that's the thing too about like that a is director. So like, you know, to be able to direct like blocking and all of the period accurate stuff, but then also to be able to direct like kid like that and just, you know, such a tight cast with the weird period dialogue. Like that's what really sets this dude apart, in my opinion, yeah. is like his ability to just be the full package, you know, and what a scene. And then he pukes up the apple and oh. all, all of that stuff. Oh. Iconic moment. Really, honestly, this movie, I think we can already call a classic and say is iconic. So many things about it. Yeah, you mentioned that script. Let's talk about that because, uh, as we all know, that he he did, I think, several months worth of research before he even started putting his little fingers on the keyboard, and it really shows. And it was for a first movie too. It's a very brave, bold move. I think. Yeah, I I feel like the first time that I watched it, it took me about the length of of that opening kind of like court sequence where the family is being banished um uh to <laughs> to to really get into um into the the linguistics of of that dialogue and then I kind of forgot about it for the rest of the film the first time I was watching it, but now every time I go back, it's just so it's just really beautiful and in the way that the actors manage to wrangle it and especially the kids. What are yeah. they doing? I'm like, how dare they be so good? <laughs> <laughs> how dare thee? Yeah, and the uh, do, have you do, have y'all watched it with subtitles? No, before? I yeah, have not. Actually. I, I, I have in a subsequent viewing with uh, with a friend. Yes, it's you know, I mean, if you if you've seen it a few times, I would recommend it uh, because it's there's a lot of stuff in there that I have missed before, and a lot of little subtleties, but um, it definitely helped. But it is distracting, of course. I would definitely say, like, at this point, you you can take your eye away from the screen enough to read those. Oh, sure. Yeah. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. 
It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It was Ellie Granger and uh, who's that other little kid? That's one of the twins. Hmm. Oh, uh, Lucas Dawson is Jonas. They're disturbing and unsettling. Everything adds an air of unsettledness. Yeah. Yeah. And I do love a kids are creepy trope because, I mean, kids are creepy. So, uh, but you don't know what's going on in their heads. They're they're people, but not yet. I don't know. Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, the first time I saw it, I never, ever thought Black Phillip was real. And so when the twins came on, I thought they were just being annoying. Like, I really was like, oh, geez. But then in the end, it turns out. Yeah, so oh, wow. I mean, is the implication that the, the devil goat was whispering to the children and yeah. getting them to do things? And Yeah. yeah okay. That's, yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole family kind of turns at the end. And that, that's the scariest part of, to me is I've never, ever... So we all grew up hearing about like the Salem witch trials, but this is the mm-hmm. first time I watched something. I was like, oh my God, you could not prove that you weren't a witch and yeah. how terrifying yeah. that is. And like the whole family turns against Thomason and she's just so isolated. And that's what Black Philip wanted is just see, see the society has failed you. Now come <laughs> this way. <laughs> have some butter. Yeah, no, no, no. Have, have the taste of butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He never promises her butter. The oh, taste of butter. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just picture a little <laughs> dipping in a butter uh, churn. Uh, yeah, there's there's something about a uh, one of my favorite kinds of movies is small cast, isolated setting, and everyone slowly losing their minds one by one. It's such an effective setup, and we've seen it time and time again. But it works so well here because, like you were saying, Annie, all. All someone has to do is, is especially after they start kind of spiraling out of control mentally, is, you know, she's our sister's a witch and she squirted blood from that goat, which happened, I guess. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presumably. Was she, was she a witch? I mean, I know she became one, but. I yeah. I, I mean, you know, the, the, the goat could have just had blood in its milk. Um that could have been just a normal, natural Me- medical thing. Medical thing. <laughs> um, she also found that chicken egg, the the that that broken egg that was a unborn chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. But you know, it's it's it, it could have been just Black Philip 
fucking with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Squirting blood is a good classic creepy thing to do, you know. <laughs> if I were Lucifer in the 1700s. Yeah, well, I, just, I just mean blood coming out of places where non-blood things should be coming out. Like in It. Like crying oh, yeah. blood. Yeah, like in It. Crying blood or like in It when she turns on the faucet and blood comes out or whatever. Or I, It even actually makes use of a creepy chicken embryo situation that comes out of the uh, fortune cookie in the Chinese restaurant scene. Oh, right. So yeah. the implication is that like a bedeviling force is wreaking havoc havoc on 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 everything you know and causing things to be unnatural and uh you know know, evil in some way well what was your take annie the first time you saw it do you remember if you were weighing whether or not she was an actual witch because that's kind of what they're playing out you know through a lot of this movie i don't i never thought she was a witch um i did think that i never ever suspected black philip uh I just assumed like this witch was waiting for them to like kill themselves or something, <laughs> like take each other out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like even in the scene where she's threatening mercy and she's like, I am the witch of the, I be the witch of the woods and I'll eat you and whatever. I was just like, you know, this is a frustrated young girl who doesn't right. have much avenue for power or agency in any other sure. way. And she's tasting this power. Um, and that's what always gets me about horror movies is I get, there's this line of being empowered of these female characters, but even if you taste that power, if you accept that people are so afraid of you, they're so afraid of witches, they'll kill you for it. Like, mm-hmm. then you can't prove that you're not, so why not accept it? <laughs> why not take the label, but then they'll kill you for it? Either way, I guess. So how, how do you think the witch f- figured into all of this? Because the witch is clearly not the focus it's the devil i mean it's sort of like a bait and switch right so the witch exists on the periphery but isn't necessarily like how where's the connection to from the witch to black philip to the relationship with thomason i think the witch was there you know his sort of agents of evil and she was the first step in uh start like driving this wedge and what's going to destroy this family and also you get a baby that's not baptized out of it, which I, I hear is Bonus. great for Satan. That's right. <laughs> Bonus. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's how you get to this to this impressionable young girl is you mm-hmm. drive her family apart through just just a, just an innocent baby stealing. Simple, direct to the point. Right. Yeah. You get know. through the scariest game of peekaboo in movie history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, I mean, as a filmmaker, there's. There's something so effective about these little simple shots, whether it's that baby's gone and that look on her face, you see it on her face first, yeah, or a very slow camera push into the forest mm-hmm. with that yeah. droning the score. Yeah. Oh, so good. Or the ability to make a fucking rabbit look scary. Menacing. Just Just looking at your face, I you have, know, that rabbit looks scary. I've never been so upset by a rabbit in my life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I get the goat because those sideways sideways pupils that's oh, yeah. what does yeah. it that, that's sure. what really gets people and yeah. then that first shot of philip is so great when it uh someone's got a steady cam and he's just like kind of bucking and jumping around through the yard yeah like right away that he that's just like this goat is not right everybody <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad goat um yeah <laughs> Very bad goat. the worst goat yeah uh yeah and and the 
I was thinking as I was just rewatching it about about that camera movement and about that score because um, because the score is so barren. Um, it's yeah. really only in these big dramatic moments that it comes in so huge. Um, but uh, but the rest of the time, it's just silence. It's just watching these actors chew their lines in the best possible way. And the camera movement is is sort of similar. Like like a lot of the time, the camera is very still, just just really letting these mm-hmm. scenes play out um, until, yeah, like until, I don't know, like, like almost like, um, you know, u- using the movement to, 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 to show what's going on in someone's head, almost as though he's a filmmaker, strange, <laughs> unusual. But it also doesn't have any like crazy editing tricks. It's all really matter of fact. Yeah. And even like the Thomason perspective shot or whatever is super straightforward. And, 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 and to me, it's a lot of it really has to do with the lighting from of the indoor stuff. It yeah. all looks like Caravaggio paintings, you know, uses this kind of chiaroscuro lighting to give it this sort of holy quality. But then of course that's all turned on its head by making it you know unholy <laughs> um but it's really i think it was literally candlelit at times it, yeah. I, I mean they may have yeah. had some supplemental lighting but some of those shots it looks like practical candles which i know something kubrick has done before yeah. so it's possible um mm-hmm. it no that that dinner scene um where uh her mother accuses thomason of stealing the cup um uh eggers talks in the in the uh director's commentary about he's so dear if you have not listened to the director's commentary he seems like the sweetest nerdiest human person on the planet oh, really it's so darling because he's just like he's he he just goes on this rant for that entire scene he's like you know it really would have been more historically accurate to do a single braided candle wick Aww. but i just wasn't getting i wasn't getting enough light out of it i really needed more light so we we triple braided the wicks i'm so sorry we just oh my to, god we just had to use woven ones and i was just like what are you doing i love I you know. What a sweetheart. And that's yeah. so funny because every time I watch that scene, I think, how dark it is. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it also accomplishes that thing where it's beautiful and um, looks great. But the things in the shadows that could be there that are never there really in this movie. But you add that droney score and yeah. uh, <sighs> you set the audience, audience up to to expect whatever's coming your way. Yeah. It. The film takes up a lot of space, like um, like the in in a lot of horror, um, some of the fear comes from like a confinement and a closing in. But mm-hmm. but I feel I feel like the scariest moments for me are just these shots of the woods that are so vast and you just feel so lonely. Um, yeah. And and uh, separated and just I don't know, like the idea of living out there like that, like woof. Oof, yeah, I would start accusing a, my sisters of being witches too. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing that this movie made me really appreciate about history that I've learned but have never really thought of like how frightening it would be if you did come to these new colonies. Yeah. You don't know what to expect and it's harsh. And how are you literally going to survive? And in that scene, like in that dinner scene, it's so dark and I kept thinking, you know, those candles go out and it's just darkness and emptiness and that's it. And how like ominous and foreboding and over that there's hanging like we don't have food and we don't know if we're going to get food and we don't know why there's not food and how to huh. fix it. Like all of this stuff that's just had to have been like the actual life people lived when they first came here. And like the one thing kind of holding them together is the power of belief, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, in God. And that's the thing that's tested. 
through all these ordeals they're going through and ultimately taken from them. I mean, Thomason, you know, like you said, the first scene you see with her is more her presenting that fear mongering aspect of, of religion. And that continues to be a thread, you know, but for the father and the mother, I think it's more of a comforting aspect perhaps, but that's obviously taken from them and it's sort of bastardized that, that their belief and it's turned on them. It's weaponized against them, you know? Yeah. And he kind of admits at the end too, in that one great scene where he's just sort of has that monologue, I guess that's probably, that's right before Philip, uh, takes care of business, right? Yeah. Where he sort of admits it was his pride yeah. Yeah. and not like some divine calling to bring his family out there. And, uh, you know, when they first get there too, that great shot of them just like, yeah. th- so thankful that they came to this place. <laughs> yeah. Like, this oh, terrible careful, place. Yeah. <laughs> the sun shall not shine here. No, yeah. no, nay, not once. Yeah. And his, I mean, his pride, this whole movie they spend blaming Thomason, but really he's the one that got them kicked out because he was arrogant. He thought he knew more about religion than yeah. anybody else and refused to hear anything else. He's the one that got them out there. And then he's just constantly proving that he's failing and is unwilling yeah. to see it or admit it and lets Thomason be blamed for it over and over. So finally, it's like he was such a religious, pious man. He finally like confesses, oh, it's my pride. And then Black Phillip's like, yep, now I'm going to kill you. Pride cometh before the fall <laughs> yeah. into a stack of fucking logs. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing he did was only he kept chopping wood. Uh-huh. That yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. Like, that was his undoing in the end, yeah. that huge wall of yeah. logs just tumbling mm-hmm. down. So and, great. you know, the... The, the goat holes in his stomach. Right. Yeah, right. that too. Both. Yeah. Goat, goat gourd. So wait, yeah. so, he, so, he, so the, 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 the colony that they came from, or I'm sorry, the, whatever, the, the town in, in England, they mm-hmm. would have been reform Christians and then he was a Puritan. Is that sort of the deal? Or I think they're Puritans, right? Yeah, they're Puritans, but he's like way intense Puritan. Yeah. He's they're like, they're like uh, whoa, like the other Puritans are like, whoa, dude. Uh, oh, so they were Puritans too. He was just like an extremist essentially. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't a like ref- Calvinist type. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because he, I think he thinks he's a good dad. Yeah. And a good provider because he's very, I think he's very conflicted because at times he is a good father and he is destroyed when his uh, baby son and when Caleb is gone. And when he, when he finally has that moment where he meets up with Thomason in the woods like you really get a sense of how genuine it it is that he's found her, but he has he also sold her down the river about that goddamn cup, yeah, and yep. admitted it. But it's like like Annie said, like he's he makes all the wrong moves. That's right. Yeah, pride. Yeah. Um. Uh. I don't know. It, and it, it's so like like some of some of the some of the things that he says um uh are just so dire. Like like even about even about uh. uh uh, th- this God and this religion that that he is so steeped in, like there's there's one line uh, where he's, he's like, talking to his son, maybe in the woods. Oh, I mean, all of it, all of yeah, it. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, the, the two that the two that super stood out to me, and I wrote them down. Um, one of them was a quick little throwaway line. He's like, "Oh yeah, of course, everyone else is still asleep on a gray day. The devil holds fast your eyelids." Oh, I was like. Yeah. Jeez. What? <laughs> like, holy <Yeah>. heck! <laughs> that is the direst fucking way of thinking about sleeping in. I know. <laughs> then why is it so gloomy? Because yeah. it makes me want to sleep in. <laughs> right. It's funny. Testing. I did a lot of research on uh, the religion, like 
when I did this episode for Sminty on the religious, what would be going on. And at the time, it was like a moral good. Drudgery was a moral good. So you wanted like to be miserable, essentially prove that you were a good person. Well, he said the rain doesn't he said the rain doesn't bother me. You know, when he was going to go in yeah. the middle of the night, yeah. I'm like, dude, it's fucking pouring. Yeah. <laughs> and Thomason, when she's like, like you said, Lauren, when she's confessing to all those things that sound like she's just basically confessing to, I'm not miserable all the time. Yeah. And I'm a kid uh, and feeling bad for it. And she's really the only one in this super religious family that has that sort of confession moment. Um She's also, other than going off on Mercy that one time, uh, I'd be the Witch of the Woods. Um, other than that, Mercy she, was asking for it, though. She, totally. she does. That was a bratty child, and she deserved yeah. it. Um, Mercy started it. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but, but no, other than that is like the only bad thing that Thomason does the entire film. Literally yeah. everything else is just a reaction to what's being thrown at. She's trying so hard to be good and devoted. And like, and like her little brother is lusting after her and her dad is a, is a dick and her mom is mean to her. And I think yeah. like covetous of her youth and. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what was your other line, Lauren, that you oh, had uh, picked out? Um, oh, I, 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 again, at that dinner scene, when, uh, when the father is doing that prayer, one of the things that he says, and I don't know if this is like a traditional thing to say or not, but it really struck me. He says, um, let us finish soon our days of sin. And mm. be like released up into the Lord's hands. What sin? You're what? the only one sinning. <laughs> Lauren, a minute ago, I mentioned the scene about when he and his son go oh, on yeah, the yeah. hunt or whatever. Oof. The, the, and there's cool. a really similar line to that that actually answers that question. Um, he, this is a little back and forth where he says uh, to his son, Art thou then born a sinner? And Caleb says, I, I was conceived in sin and born in iniquity. And William says, uh, And what is thy birth sin? And Caleb says, Adam's sin imputed to me and a corrupt nature dwelling within me. And then William Jeez. says, well remembered, Caleb, very well. <laughs> and then he goes, and canst thou tell me what thy corrupt oh. nature is? And then Caleb says, this is the kicker, my corrupt nature is empty of grace, bent unto sin, only unto sin, and that continually. And Man, yeah, and this is like who a- who writes this? <laughs> and it was like a rote lesson. Like that was something that he was clearly yeah. repeating from memory. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. it's, uh, I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist, and it's obviously nothing like this, but um, so much, and you know, on my religious soapbox, but so much damage is done to kids at a young age, um, whether it's something really heavy like this back in the 1600s, or a kid growing up in the 80s being taught that, uh, you know, nudity is ugly and dirty, and sex is wrong and dirty, and you know, that stuff is still being bandied about and to, to children. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, Annie, you mentioned earlier something I wanted to talk about that really, really hit me last night was that for all the horror and the witchiness and the devil goats, this movie is such a family drama. And Eggers, I think, was so wise to include so much of that stuff uh, because it really made it accessible to an audience. Like the the scene that really got me is when they were overhearing them downstairs yeah. fighting. Yeah. And like I think we we can all probably point to at some point in our childhood that feeling of insecurity you have as a kid hearing your parents go at it in the other room. Um and like that's something we can all identify with, whether it's sixteen hundreds New England or or like modern times. Yeah, absolutely. Like 
it's strange. It feels so removed in some ways because they are speaking so differently than us. And clearly, like the technology isn't there. And but there are things like that that you can just relate to. I have been there. I mm-hmm. I remember this terror and like this feeling of powerlessness. What am I going to yeah. do? And in yep. this case, they're talking about giving her like giving her away yeah, <laughs> to, to another, another family. family. Really? Yeah. Serve another family, is, I think is what they said. Yeah. It's like, or you could just be parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's specifically because they think she's like gone astray, right? Or like is, is in some way, whether, you know, a witch, not yet. They're not really quite thinking that yet. They're just more thinking that she's sort of a bad egg. I think they bad. just need to make money. And they're just like, well, what else have we got oh, that's worth something? That's Our right. kid. Yeah, we can just. Uh, a maid. We'll give her away as a maid or yeah. something. Yeah. And no, you can't say bad egg in this movie because we've already talked about the bad egg. Oh. Yeah. Oh, very true. How about bad bad seed? The literal bad egg. Well, yeah. the bad seed was the corn. Keep okay. going. Fair enough. <laughs> bad apple. We got one of those too. Oh, Jeez Louise. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I think we just picked up on something, you guys. <laughs> We're geniuses. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole movie is really about corruption, though, you know? It's about being corrupted and being susceptible to corruption. And you do see that in, like, the, the crops that are withering and causing them to like you know not have their livelihood or their ability to survive and then that slowly causing them to go mad just the fear and then the isolation and then the ability to be corrupted spiritually and this fear of the devil being everywhere and and being susceptible to that corruption and fighting against it when ultimately you're creating this problem that maybe doesn't even exist only in this case it did exist which is interesting um yeah i don't know it's a lot yeah, you know, I, I I think, and I think that all of the corruption comes back to this like toxic masculinity of of the father and also of yeah. the religion that the father subscribes to, um, and just everything that he's trying to do. There's a there's a couple scene uh, that that scene where um, uh, Thomason winds up yelling at him. Um, um, is that true? So like 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 what about that, Dad? All you're good for <laughs> is cutting wood, Dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's about to shake her head off her neck right now. <laughs> No, that was a very powerful scene. And I think we all needed that scene. Yeah. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I, I do want to say that uh, this movie, when it came out, it partnered with um, the, is it the Satanic Temple? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they called it like a, a story about feminine independence and how, I mean, so many witch movies are seen as like a feminist tale, but a lot of times the witch does end up as a victim. And they were saying like in this case... Uh, another author called it a feminist kick in the balls at the end. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is. She's like, tr- she's so, like you said, Lauren, she's trying to be a good daughter. She's trying to fit in the system. It's continuously being blamed, continuously had fear like cast upon her. And no one's even concerned that maybe she has like fears of her own. They don't care. Like she's the witch. It's the easy way out. Let's blame this young girl who's transitioning into womanhood and how threatening that is. And then in the end, when she's sort of out of options, she becomes this thing they yeah. were so afraid of the whole time. Yeah. She and be- looks happy and empowered for the first time in the movie, too. Yes. In yeah. Oh, in that in that horrifying final shot where she's just in this, like, oh, terrible man. ecstasy. Oh, gosh. Goosebumps. Yes. I just yeah. got him. I just got him. Well, Literally just you even invoking that moment. Yeah. I mean, one of the, ba- one of the most badass final shots and sequences in movie history. I remember sitting in the theater in New York and like once that happened and then the movie was over, it's kind of like this silence (laughs) where everyone was just like a collective, what the fuck falling (laughs) over this theater. Like, what did we just see? It was such a great payoff. He had to, he had to do it that way. You can't tease it out anymore. Like show those witches, man. And, and I think the implication there is that they're all flying in a big way because of those, they, Mashed up those twins, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! I didn't think about that. Maybe <laughs> that's what I took from it was 
they're oh, all the like, twins disappeared too, right? That's right. Yeah, they're yeah. all super yeah. flighty at the yeah, end because sure. I think they're wearing uh, Jonas and Mercy <laughs> oh, twin twin shit. juice. Yeah, sure. Didn't even twin think juice. about that. <laughs> super <laughs> powerful twin juice. I mean, that's a two for one deal, right there. <laughs> yeah, that's, double the flight yeah. power. Oh gosh, that's good. that that is because, the first like, time I thought about that, Chuck. She didn't kill them. Uh, no. Thomason didn't. Like, I don't know. I mean, those goats were dead too. There was that goat carcass. Yeah, yeah there was a goat the carcass, goat. but I don't. If they, if there was an implied twins carcasses, I don't remember it. I think they just vanished. No, I think they were just gone. They, yeah. they, they they were announced to have kind of been vanished. I believe at some hmm. point they they disappeared or whatever. So hmm. because yeah. some, I think some people think it's a loose end, and I do not. Mm. Interesting. Twin juice, yeah. <laughs> uh, the production design is just amazing. It it's feels so authentic in this and the lighthouse, which I'm sure we've Oof, all seen. Yeah. Uh, there's a um, the extra work that you put in as a director to make it so real really pays off, uh, and it's just such a fun world to set a movie in uh, with those rickety carts and that was so overstuffed and, and the witches hovel in the woods was just like, you, you want to run away from, from it, but you also want to like poke your head in to see what's in there. <laughs> yeah. And it's just dark enough that there's like this urge of, do, I want it to be lighter, but do I, do I really want to see more <laughs> <Yeah>. of this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, it looks so good. Oh, and all the like texture of, of the, of the clothing and, and there's so much rough wood in that film. Uh, it's really beautiful. Yeah. And it, I remember when I was reading about how it was made, because it's so like neutral, a lot of it's kind of dark and neutral. And some days they would just wait for clouds. Like they wouldn't <laughs> film on sunny days. <laughs> And it caused like this huge holdup. We're like, where's the bad weather? Where are these clouds? Wow. I know. You had yeah. to, I mean, I read I read that too, that he had to kind of stay in that gray palette. Yeah. And you can do some stuff to fake it, but if it's a sunny day, you can't it's really hard to fake that yeah. in a believable way. He said the crew was not very happy on this on this shoot. <laughs> I imagine the same for the lighthouse. Oh gosh, I, I imagine the same for the he's lighthouse. Kinda known as like making his crew pretty miserable. Yeah. suffering for the art yeah it works oh it does yeah because just all of those neutrals and and the only pop of color that you ever get is is the reds the like five times that it's like it's like blood or um or or little dream baby sam's wrappings when he comes back and Uh the witch is except it's not a dream because her boob is bleeding oh my heck anyway young young sexy witch young sexy witch cloak yeah Mm -hmm. yeah apple and the apple let's let's talk about the uh the breastfeeding scene because that is where my New York story comes in. Uh, and like I said, I've told this story before to Nola and the audience, but for you two, uh, seeing movies in New York is the best. I don't know if you've ever done it because you never know what you're going to get uh, <laughs> because New York, but um, that movie had built up so much tension up to that point. And it was a pretty crowded theater and I was by myself and it showed the shot of the crow pecking away at her breast and, <laughs> This woman, uh, like 10 rows in front of me, all you hear is, and really loudly, that is so fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody broke out in laughter, the whole theater. I think we all wanted to like hug that lady because like we needed that so much. much, And it broke the ice and everyone just started laughing. (laughs) And it was just one of those great sort of movie moments where Uh... talking back to the screen really kind of helped out. Oh yeah, I adore that kind of thing. That that's what I truly miss about seeing, um, and especially horror films with a live audience, because when when you get that break in tension, it's so yeah. beautiful and such a like like human 
a collective experience. I know. I miss it so much. It's uh, there's a different, you know, sitting around watching movies at home is fun and all, but that whether it's comedy or horror, those seem to be the kind of two that really lends itself to the collective yeah. experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're all sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So he has that one great scene where, you know, she tells him off and everything, and he's going to take her in to be tried as a witch. Like, that's the plan, right? Yeah. And and locks him in there with Black Phillip. Little does he know that was a big, fat mistake. Like, literally locking them in a room with the devil. <laughs> uh, and and it, when it's revealed, I don't think you ever see his face, do you? Or does it show his face briefly? Oh, the, like, human form of Black Phillip? Yeah. No, you don't see his face, but I don't know if this is... Maybe it's just really good at suggesting what he looks like, but I feel like I know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, he's super handsome, I think. Yeah, yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. Dark hair, dark eyes. Yeah. And those cool, the cool Heavy clothes. eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you, you see his boot and you see his mm-hmm. glove, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And then you just and have not that... farmer gloves or No, boots. no. And you get that beautiful voice and whatever yeah. whatever audio effects that they were doing where it's just kind of coming from everywhere and inside you at the same time. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. So it was well pretty done. syrupy. I will guide <laughs> the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the first time I watched this, I remember at this part, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah. there was Black Phillip was Satan. Wow. <laughs> well, and again, it's about this payoff. This movie has such great payoffs. Yeah. Because uh, you, you're sort of wondering the whole time. And then, yeah. yeah, when that reveal happens, it's just, it's like a gift to the audience, you know? Like, I'm not going to leave you guessing anymore. Yeah. Like, here, here you are. Well, that's what's so clever about introducing the witch early on and kind of leaving it be. Because then I just assumed, well, it's called the witch. Must be the witch. There's nothing else beyond that. And then at the end, it's like, no, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of witches and they're Satan. So, yeah. You're welcome. And, and the way now the she's mom, a witch, too. Uh, the way mom gets it, too, is so oh. brutal, oh, yet somehow satisfying. Because uh, I get the feeling that one of them was going to walk out of their dead, you know, in that confrontation. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. it kill that scene kills me every time because Tom, when, when her mom first pushes her down, Thomason is like, is like, no, I love you. I love you. I love you. Like fight, like fighting her off. And I'm just like, that was brutal. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's fighting for her literal life and also trying to like, I mean, you think it's hard dealing with parents. Like when we were growing up, like <laughs> imagine this like Calvinist puritanical shit. Oof. To where you you can't even have a real conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so sad because she is just kind of pleading with her mom. Don't you love? I love you. I love you. Don't you love me? And that kind of throughout comes up of how her mom is so ready to throw her under the bus. And, and under Thomas the cart. Says, under the cart. You're right. <laughs> I should be period accurate in my idioms that I use. Um, and she has this insecurity of. Does her mother actually love her? Can she find favor in her eyes? Yeah. 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 It's such a, uh, I mean, again, with this in the lighthouse, I think we're seeing the beginnings of a career that's just, you know, we're all going to be seeing his movies on like the first weekend that they come out. I think he's making like a Viking movie next. Oh, And awesome. I heard that and I was like, of course he is. That's, that's <laughs> perfect. I'm sure he will never make a contemporary piece and why should he when, uh, like, you see something like this and you just think, why isn't every horror movie 
a period horror movie. This is so funny because it's not, but recently <laughs> I just did a research on a period supernatural horror, which is actually about menstruation. But every time I say it, people think I'm talking about this and I always have to explain, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> a different thing. <laughs> So the, the 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 period, not the period. The, yeah, well, right. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that. Period. It's like that joke. Have you seen "There Will Be Blood"? And they're like, "Yeah, it's a period piece." Oh, <laughs> oh. Hey. what a great way to wrap this one up. <laughs> uh, does anyone else have anything on their list? I mean, I think we kind of covered it. No, just that it's so interesting that this guy is really sticking in this lane obviously uh with the historical accuracy stuff is obviously a much more challenging thing to do for film but he's also managed to keep it pretty tightly laser focused even with like the lighthouse i wonder if because the lighthouse was also such a success if maybe this viking movie is going to broaden that world a little bit and Mm. go massive with it um I'm sure you can do that too, but um, really interesting economy of filmmaking in in terms of the way he uses locations. And I mean, Mm -hmm. Lighthouse wasn't cheap. You know, they had to build that lighthouse and do all that (laughs) stuff and make sure they get the cameras in places. And, but he seems to know where to spend his money, you know? Uh, And I think he's ambitious for sure. Uh, Yeah. I mean, just one of the new geniuses. He's uh, can't wait to see what he does. I mean, I know all I know is Vikings. I'm I'm sure it'll be a a lighthearted romp. (laughs) I'm sure. <laughs> I actually have two quotes. Can I share? One of them yes. is my favorite of all time. Absolutely. Okay. So one, uh, Diane Cohen, when she was writing about this, she said the real horror in Robert Eggers' new film, The Witch, A New England Folktale, isn't satanic goats, baby abduction, or even nefarious witches in the woods. It's the limited and punishing road to womanhood. Yeah. Now, here's my favorite quote. This is from the Malleus... Malficarum. Do you all know what that is? No. It's like a tome. Okay. It's like a, a, a grimoire, right? Kind of? Yes. It was a bestseller witch hunting book from 1486. It was written by Catholic inquisitors. And there was this fear at the time, and this is legit, that women were cutting off men's penises uh, for their own personal use. <laughs> so. It's like bookmarks or what? No. Here's the quote. Okay. <laughs> How, as it were, witches deprive man of his virile member? And what then is to be thought of those witches who in this way sometimes collect male organs in great numbers, as many as 20 or 30 members together, and put them in a bird's nest or shut them up in a box where they move themselves like living members and eat oats and corn, as has been seen by many and is a matter of common report. Wow. Yep, they thought they were keeping penises like pets and feeding them because it was a matter of common report. <sighs> oh, wow. And, you know, it's it's funny because you can say, oh, back then and they were so crazy with how they did things. But you can draw direct lines to modern society in ways that the same things are happening that don't seem quite as crazy on right. the surface. Yep. But uh, are still still have the same means to the same end, you know? Yeah. yeah. They, they were so afraid that women could have sexual pleasure by themselves. But, I mean, I laugh at this, but 100,000 people did die in these two centuries because they were suspected of being witches, and 90% of them were women. Wow. So so 10% were, they were male witches? Uh, yeah, they could be. Pretty rare, though. I wonder if some of those men were gay men. Very likely. Or Not if, I wonder. I'm sure. Yeah, that, yeah. That's probably the effeminate in whatever way was considered yeah. Yeah, equally evil. Yeah. 
yeah, or I mean, someone with a disability or a learning disability or anything that was just not quite right by their eye. Right. right. I mean, that's what the witch stands for so many times is someone who doesn't fit into societal norms. Is it somehow mm-hmm. trespassing that where it's a single woman? God forbid. What is she doing? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Just anyone who isn't quite what society says you should be. Right. And it's still going on. Yep. <laughs> well, this is that's a lot the of true horror. <laughs> it really is, and I'm sure Eggers is, was not, you know, blind to that. You know, it seems oh, yeah. to be one of the messages, and and I think it was nice and subtle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great because he said he never meant to make a feminist movie, and he was kind of surprised by it afterwards. Oh wow, like, oh, really? that's what it is, and that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good for him. That's great. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like the well, lighthouse is also equally about toxic masculinity. Anyway, okay, that's a that's a topic for another yeah. day. No, it's I'd true. love to know his family background. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the interesting thing about horror to me is there's always this question after I watch a horror movie, like I wonder. I wonder what's up with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, they're this okay. Is, the lighthouse is so clearly uh, a father-son bone to pick, and this is a father-daughter, a little bit of father-son, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe it's just parent-child dynamic. Is simpler said, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if he has kids. <laughs> These questions are easily answered. <laughs> I know. Or goats. Let me, let me Google this stuff. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go across the street and play with my Black Phillip and bring him some celery. (laughs) And uh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Annie. And thank you, Noel. Mm -hmm. This is a great way to kick off the official Friday holiday season. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. And I call it a holiday, like it's Christmas or something, but (laughs) it kind of is for us. It It is. Absolutely. No (laughs) doubt. All right, well, thanks, you guys. And uh, you'll probably be in one of these other ones. So I look forward to hearing from you again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Movie Crush is produced and written by Charles Bryant and Noel Brown. Edited and engineered by Seth Nicholas Johnson and scored by Noel Brown here in our home studio at Ponce City Market, Atlanta, Georgia for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.